Hello and welcome to another episode of Inspired Women Gathering. This is a show that talks about all things from life, relationships, spirituality, business, and everything in between. Women inspire me through their stories, their resilience, resourcefulness, tenacity, and the powerful movement that we make in the world. I love connecting and having deep conversations, sharing with you the women I'm so blessed to know and who inspire me, especially as we navigate through this deep unknowing in our world today. My name is Dixie Bennett and I'm your host and I'm a, a soulful woman and wealth coach and healer helping you live an abundant life. And I created this platform to highlight amazing women who I come across and connect with. I hope you enjoy them as much as I do. I'm so excited to introduce to you my beautiful guest. Um, when I first met her, I felt like she was a soul sister at Lurie Cowling. And our topic today is see uniqueness. Lori is a co-founder of See Uniqueness. She uses her experience in the fields of intuition and inclusion to produce conversations and programs that build interactions with impact and inspired connection. The organization ensures that leaders and messengers are equipped to create powerful and caring connections in order to facilitate an effortless pursuit of dreams and life goals. Lori holds an unwavering belief that changes in perception occur when we engage our knowledge, beliefs, and experiences alongside the wisdom of a compassionate heart. The most important part of her life is standing beside and celebrating her amazing daughter, Sydney, who shines her light in this world as an individual Down syndrome. Sydney is an award-winning young woman whose approach to life creates the foundation for the See Uniqueness organization. Together, they have launched the Sydney's Million Campaign, inviting one million people to celebrate and share their uniqueness. Thank you so much, Lori, for being here today. You are so welcome. I love the idea of just being in conversation and being inspired. Um, and you will hear Sydney in the background. She's in the room next door and she's jumping on her little trampoline. Awesome. So she's just bringing joy the whole day. So she's going to be a part of everything. Awesome. Well, it's so good to see you today. So where in the world are you coming from? So we live in Okotoks, Alberta, which is just about 25 minutes from the south end of Calgary and about 20 minutes from the beautiful mountains that are so famous in this part of our country. Awesome. So tell me a little bit more about um, Sea Uniqueness. How did that become, how did, how did that evolve and how did you step into that to bring that to the world? Sure. It's, you know, just like any other, um, movement or consciousness or business that gets created you know it's kind of like steps that happen or you do this one thing and then all of a sudden you're led to another thing so i had always with Sydney been in the conversation around us um probably from the time she was like four um we were actively in the conversation of the world seeing through sydney's eyes mm. Because before that, we were really told, you know, when she was born and from our doctors and everybody that cared about her, that we would have to make her fit into the world. Mm. So she should change who she is so that the world could see her. Mm. And that's kind of how it really like started. And then as she got older and we spent time in conversation and um, with her friends, things kind of evolved. And one year, around World Down Syndrome Day, we decided to ask her friends what they wanted to celebrate about themselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the time, we were calling it um, Be You, Be Unique. Mm -hmm. 
And we had this really interesting experience. Um, so we were in, she was in high school and we found that none of her friends, not none, maybe one or two, um, could answer that question without first asking somebody to tell them what was unique about them. Mm. Yeah. And you know, it's really interesting because it was Sydney's friends who kept saying to me, how she sees the world is how we should all see the world. And so we kind of evolved it over time. And, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do the next year for World Down Syndrome Day. And I have always had this idea of creating this video where people held up what they love about themselves. Mm -hmm. And a really good friend of mine from Tribal Connection Market um, in Oak Toast here, Jody, she said, okay, well, Sunday we'll make a video. I was like, what? <laughs> she said, we'll make a video, get some signs. You can come do it here. We'll just get somebody to film it. It'll be no big deal. And we'll just do it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that's what we're going to do. And I was really stumbling on the name. Uh, and then I don't really share this part of the story very often, but I think it's really beautiful. The, um, the family that owns Tribal, they had a, a a young girl in their family. She was 19 when she passed away a few years ago. Mm. And Sydney knew her and Morgan uh, was just, she's just this beautiful soul, you know, that still supports everybody. And she had been in, uh, she had been going to school for music therapy and Sydney and her had this opportunity to sing together. So the night that I was trying to figure out what to call this, how to name this, what to say, because be you, be unique just wasn't working. Mm -hmm. I went to sleep that night in the middle of the night. I, I woke up and I heard this, I see you. Mm. Oh, I love that. And in every way I knew that that was Morgan helping us. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I've talked to her mom about that. And I, I hope someday to actually tell that story in a really big, beautiful way. So that's how we got the name of it. Aww. That's how we got started. Um, Jody is actually Morgan's aunt. So, you know, we're all, and Sydney works at Tribal and this beautiful family. And, uh, you know, it was these little steps along the way of knowing that we should see who we are and celebrate who we are. And uh, when the name came, it was this cool thing because all the social media was available. And uh, now every time I think or say, I see you. I feel like it's not just me, it's, uh, it's Morgan, it's the energy beyond our physical that sees us. Right. It's like saying to people, you are seen in every way. Right. So yeah, it's kind of a great story how it evolved just from this place of knowing we wanted the world to see Sydney for her. Mm. I love that. Yeah. To, see, to be fully seen from all aspects. And that's all, that's really all that we, at all want is to be seen and this idea that we have to fit into a conform right as soon as i have to conform to something i'm like i'm out of here <laughs> no it doesn't work i'm gonna just <laughs> i find those places really curious now like i get i'm really curious about the spaces where people are unable to celebrate and understand that that um what makes us the same is our unique differences because mm -hmm. we all are unique in our, in our difference. And we all have that. Mm -hmm. And it's, 
yeah, it's the biggest thing that makes us the same. And yet people have such fear about somebody who's different than they are. Yeah. The, the whole idea of you're not the same as me. So I just, I just don't want to know you. I think mm -hmm. that closes the conversation very quickly. Yeah. So I'm just curious, what would you say, what's the biggest gift that Cindy has, or Sydney has taught you? Oh my gosh. There's so many every single day. Like seriously, every day. Um, I would think the thing that is consistent through everything that I do and know is when you pause and you allow yourself to be in connection with another soul, mm -hmm. you are forever enhanced and altered. Mm -hmm. And she does that. She will just, you know, when I get too busy in my head and I'm trying to do too many things and I'm, you know, in my working out my gunk and all the whatever, trying to figure out how to do technology, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, she'll say to me, mom, where'd you go? Mm. Where are you? And the other day I was having a, <laughs> a couple of days like that. And, and then I had, you know, got back to my full self and she said, good job. Mom. Good job. Um. So I think it's that, that um, it does not matter what you do, how you do it, where you're doing it, when you're doing it. When you allow yourself just to be you, the whole world can see you. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's a pretty good present. Yeah. Well, I know she has a very infectious laugh. I think that's one of the <laughs> favorite things I always hear in the background. I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. and I, when I first met her, there was an instant collection between both of us. That was such a, a beautiful gift. So tell, tell me a little bit more about, I know um, one of your passions is, is seeing, finding equality and bringing equality to people. So tell me some different ways that you're, or some activities or things that you've done that you're bringing, helping to bring more of the conversation of equality to the world. Yeah. You know, it's really this conversation that I find uh, evolves and grows and expands all the time of uh, how deeply are we willing to see ourselves in relation to other people and to see them in relation to ourselves. Mm. So any chance I get to be in a conversation that allows me to see beyond what I already know, mm -hmm. I am just like, oh, I want to go do that. Even the ones that feel really rough, and I've had some rough ones. Mm -hmm. uh, so I know we, we've recently talked about, and I've recently started talking about the opportunity I had to go to Iceland mm -hmm. and speak at um, a, a World Economic Forum for a, a gender equality conference. And, you know, it was this interesting experience because I had just got in my head that I didn't really have that much to offer and everybody there probably had all of these like really great set points that I'd already been talking about and uh, but when I went I understood that when you allow life to unfold for you you end up in these places having these unbelievable conversations that change how you see things mm -hmm. um, so I know I had shared with you, I got to meet the, um, 
the woman who had been the first president, the first female president of a country in our world. And it was in the 80s. And I shook her hand. And I couldn't find the words to express um, how honored and in awe and in reverence I was. And it's interesting because, you know, gender equality or the conversation of women's rights and men's rights. I mean, well, I'm a woman, so it always sits under there, but it was never something that I actively was, yeah, I'm in that. Right. But as you stand with somebody who you know has stood in the face of fear, because it's really other people's fear that come at you. Mm -hmm. And when you have met somebody that stand, has stood so strongly in the face of fear to alter the path of an entire country, mm -hmm. it's like this space where you go, whoa. Yeah. You know, um, I feel that with Sydney often, actually. You know, I, I see her alter people often. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was at that conference, um, I wasn't there speaking about the differences in gender. I was there speaking about celebrating you no matter who you are. Mm -hmm. And just incredible opportunities that show up when you decide that everyone is as valuable mm -hmm. in their being as yeah. you are. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I met this woman when I was there who uh, she did this presentation and she had an interpreter. She is from the Middle East. And in this moment, I, um, I you know, I'm thinking of her and I, I feel like I'm going to connect with her. I haven't connected with her since then. She, she opened a school. She opened a school for children in a very small community in the middle of nowhere. And the school, they didn't have a school at the time. And she welcomed in every student, no matter what diverse situation. So in a lot of places, even still in our country, in many countries, people like Sydney are not considered um, as valuable as other people. They are considered, they won't learn, they won't contribute to society. So why teach them? Mm -hmm. And she opened this school, and when she first opened it, it was a tin hut the size of this room mm. on the side of a shack in a graveyard. Because that is the only place that anyone in the community would allow her to have to teach these children that, you know, alongside the other children that everybody else thought was invaluable. Right. Wow. And she ended up, over however many decades, opening up many more schools in her country and it became the top school in the country of people sitting beside each other standing beside each other and every unique being being honored and welcomed mm -hmm. and experiencing that and hearing that conversation through a translator right. and yet feeling it was like i could feel her i could feel everything she was talking about right i love that um it just lets you know, lets me know that the conversation of you as you, your uniqueness, every ounce of you is a beautiful soul and, and worthy of our ability to see you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, the ability to be seen. Um, 
this, I, th I think it's amazing how more and more people are stepping forward, creating that, creating movements, right? I think that's kind of what we're starting to see more of is you know, jumping on the bandwagon to create the movement of, you know, see uniqueness. Um, so how, how has this shifted your life in creating this movement? Well, um, firstly, I would say I every day have to examine my beliefs about myself because understanding that when I have a conversation with somebody, they see themselves because I see myself. Mm. Uh, it, it's this beautiful, powerful thing. And then the conversation's over and I'll be sitting in my office going, oh my gosh, I can't do this. And I haven't done enough. And I, I haven't um, made this movement huge. And why haven't I taken this to the whole world? And so it's a constant place to examine um, how I see myself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is a really great thing because then I get to stand in conversation or have conversation like this with you from a place of really knowing that we all have these things in our head mm -hmm. and no matter how the people around you are, are telling you, show up mm -hmm. and, and can pause you. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely altered me. I now... Uh, I'm excited to explore that and actively do that all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, so this like truly beautiful um, essence of us has shown up. Mm -hmm. Over time, as I have learned so many different skills and worked with so many different mentors and I, I get to talk to people like you and uh, along the way I have tried to figure out how to do things just the right way, how to do business, how to do whatever. But this underlying thing always, always sits with me. And it came from, I had done a, a course with Deborah Poneman. Um, I, it was the, a year of miracles. Mm, and yeah, it was so good. And it's part of why I do the, the trainings that I do where we just talk about celebrating who you are. Mm -hmm. So this thing that came up in every other week, I found myself writing my intention of everything I do and inter everything I do with Sydney and how I interact with Sydney. Every time I laugh with Sydney and have fun with Sydney, it brings people, money, space, everything I desire into my life. Mm -hmm. So I created this, this underlying belief for myself that being with Sydney is all I need. And then everything comes. Yeah. So every time now I get kind of worried and I'm not doing enough or I should be working harder, I go and play with her. <laughs> I just go and be. I do. I believe, and I've seen that in my own life too, where the more I play, the more money I make, the more opportunities and possibilities is when, you know, we're hitting our head against that should, that perfection, the procrastination. Um, you know, when things are ready to move, I'm a huge advocate. When it's ready to go and it's ready to move, it will move. Yeah. Life will move. Opportunities will come forward. And if we're trying to force the fit, yeah, it's not going to happen. But the more I let go and just be in the playful, the playful energy or go outside and play in nature or, you know, just be in that total moment. I love a year in miracles. Um, cause I think, you know, I believe in miracles. I yeah. believe that we can manifest from miracles. 
and I see the proof of it every day in ways that I haven't yet even imagined. So yeah, the more I love that you have Sydney to remind you to bring you into that playful, playful world because that's really where all the magic, the magic and miracles manifest from. It totally is. And you know, it, over time, like you really can discover these things just by having a curious mind. Yes. Like it's one of the, the foundations of what we should talk about is um, curiosity builds connection. Yes, it does. It I builds love connection to your favorite words. Curiosity, right? Yeah. It, oh, good. I'm glad. That makes sense that we're yeah. interacting. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. You build connection with yourself. You build connection with other people. You build connection with your actual beliefs. Um, it, it's just curiosity is the place to really delve into every everything. It's where the yummy stuff sits, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, being able to be curious while you're still is something that I've learned how to do. Uh, because with Sydney, sometimes like right now, with the way our world is, Sydney has a history of immune compromised. She had leukemia when she was three. Right. So she's, you know, experienced chemo. And, you know, we're not afraid. We're not in fear. Mm. We're very much in this active space of let's take care because we're so well. Everything in our world is so well, and it requires us right now to be very still in our home. Um, she doesn't get to spend time with her dad or her grandma or um, other people. So curiosity becomes like this guiding light. And right now, I find the things we're most curious about is our own, our own emotions. Mm -hmm. and our own thoughts mm -hmm. and uh yeah and then you, then you just play and you laugh and mm -hmm. you know the days that get rough we actually i really can identify that's a day i didn't connect with curiosity mm -hmm. or i didn't pause and be still in my connection or um i forgot who i was for a minute mm -hmm. i love that yeah. hmm. So good. I know. It's well, all the yummy stuff, right? It's the yummy stuff. I totally agree. And it is in the, you know, one of the things, especially a lot of my work is about, we don't always have to fill those pockets of silence. And I think we live in this fast paced world, but we have to fill, 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 do something. It's quiet for too long. And I think, you know, the greatest gifts are in those pockets of silence. Yeah. Right? It's in the pause. Uh, the pause is the most brilliant aspect, but that's where the healing is. That's where the connection, that's where we can get still with our thoughts. And then we can see, you know, it's just like everything kind of melts away and then you can kind of start to see the next possible step or the next, um, the next opportunity that you didn't even know was ready, ready to be plucked. Yep. I, I love that you talk about the pause. It's something I talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting where it actually generated from. Sydney and I are doing Facebook Lives every day right now yes. at 2 o'clock. We have champagne, and she tell jokes, tells jokes, and we sing lullabies. And, um, and then I just talk about life, and I'm finding every time, and I, I never planned this, but every time I'm talking about us, and I'm seeing that there are, are things that we do that can help the world, right? Mm -hmm. 
So the other day I was talking about my dad and he used to say to me, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. Mm. And over the years that has like been in my head and there's different levels to look at that, right? Um, what am I saying about myself? Mm-hmm. And Sydney, the first time we ever spoke together, because we she loves to be on stage, like adores it. Yeah. Uh, we we spoke at a mother daughter event for Karen class, and and Sydney sang "Perfect" by Pink. Mm-hmm. And there's this line, and it says, um, "Change the voices in your head, make them like you instead." Mm-hmm. And I think. That the yeah, most confused. That, I love Sydney. it. Mm-hmm. I know, cool. right? It's so beautiful. And when you hear it from Sydney, um, and this is what happens on stage, right? She doesn't articulate a full conversation. And people will dismiss her because they can't understand her mm-hmm. and they won't listen. But then she gets on stage and she sings a song like that. And you go, huh. Oh, and she's clever. She picks what song she's going to sing for whatever audience she's with. Wow. Yeah. 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 I think the most confused Sydney ever is, is when she's around me or other people that are so busy in their chatter, they don't like themselves. Right. She's, she brings the truth forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She sure does. Mm-hmm. One of the things so, that- I admire. Well, I love watching you and Sydney together because you, there's, there is reverence and there's space. Like you allow her to express and to be herself. And I've never seen the frustrated, irritated side. Like I have, I have so many clients that I've worked with, autistic, various spectrums. Um, and I see moms who have, like their child as their best friend to the moms who are just so frustrated because they, they're missing the gift and they operate from anger, which then exacerbates, right? The, um, the frustration in the child, right? And the gift that you have, I love watching just you and your life in general, just in some of the conversations, the way that we've met, there's this beautiful flow and where you just really simply allow, you allow the unfolding, you allow the conversation, you allow Sydney to be in full expression. And there, there's no, um, there's just this beautiful dance of, in the relationship between both of you that I see. Uh, and it's such a gift to watch. At what point did you decide that you wanted to be an advocate um, for your child instead of being just a quiet parent in the background? Um, such a good question. And first I want to address that, you know, I've experienced every single one of those levels of parenting uh, a child who isn't able to communicate to the world the way we're used to. Right. And I absolutely have been that parent who was parenting out of such anger that Sydney couldn't see herself and couldn't see me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that when Sydney was in treatment, uh, before she was in treatment, you know, I was already in this place. I I talk about this in some of the talks that when Sydney was born, um, 
I was in this place as a young mom, first mom. She's my only child. Uh, I fully hadn't even figured out who I was, who I was in my relationship, who we were. And then we were given this, this situation that we weren't prepared for, which was great. I'm glad we weren't. And now when I look back, what I understand is that we instantly knew and we couldn't articulate it. We couldn't speak it. We couldn't say it. I didn't even start speaking this until this last year. Mm -hmm. uh, we instantly knew that we were no longer just concerned about our child having, a, you know, friends and a life. Mm -hmm. We were afraid for her life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I talk about this story before she was born, about three weeks before she was born. I was watching this show, um, gosh, it was a long time ago, Quincy Jones, it was called, it was a medical show. And they had uh, a baby on there who had Down syndrome and they let the baby die mm. because she had a heart condition. And the conversation was, she won't thrive and be a part of society. Right. And I didn't know why I had seen that. And I love to build evidence and go back and see evidence. Mm. And so the day she was born uh, and they told us uh, the, they had taken her and then we were, um, they were doing an ultrasound. She was early, so they were in the ICU. And that's the first time I saw her was in the wheelchair and she was doing, they were doing an ultrasound on her heart. And every ounce of me was like, they're going to let her die. Mm they're going to find out she has a heart condition and they're going to let her die. Mm. And then, you know, not having the space or the tools or the, you know, ability to even speak that. I went into this place of, um, my life with Sydney became not only my identity as a mom would be about how I parented her and him, the world saw, mm -hmm. but it was about everything I did could keep her safe or, or cause her to be harmed. Right. It became about my identity became about keeping her alive. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't even identified that. Like I, I honestly haven't just really started speaking about that recently because I think it's so important right now in our world, what we're seeing yeah. Um, to understand that we make difference so wrong, right? We make it so wrong that inherently we know we could be killed for being different, mm -hmm. and we all know that because we all see it in our in our world. We see it in media. We see everywhere. it. Yeah, we see it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, then I you know spent all that time trying to make Sydney's world so that everybody would she could fit in right uh, and then when she had leukemia and we were in treatment um, we came out of there and i had a very different understanding uh, i was in i was in deep trauma for a long time mm. you know i had experienced a lot of trauma when i was in treatment some of the things you have to do to a child is yeah. really really horrific um so that's where all that anger came in and that's when I couldn't see her and she couldn't see me. She would do this thing. She would put her hands on my face and she would look in my eyes yeah. when she was a, a little girl. Um, and then she would try and do that after treatment and I couldn't see her and she couldn't see me. Wow. Um, so I think I was like, you know, we just went about life and I, she was around 10 
And I, my, I was just a mess. I had been in such trauma for so long and so full of anger and so full of fear mm -hmm. and so full of fear that something I could do or say would cause somebody to take her away from us and, or kill her. Right. <laughs> would like actually have her die. Right. Um, I had a doctor say to me, you are really sick. And if you don't get well, you aren't going to be here. So that's kind of like, you know, and I think you would find that when anybody in life who's had deep trauma, yeah. you know, you, you get to this place where somebody says, Hey, mm -hmm. what do you want to do here? Yeah. You know? Um, and then it was fun because I slowly started to identify all those cool places. Like there was this nurse when Sydney was in treatment. Oh my gosh, Dixie. She had come up to us one day and said, there are genetic things in our family. My husband and I had decided never to have children. Mm. But knowing Sydney, seeing Sydney, mm -hmm. and who she is and how she is, we are going to go and do all the testing and we're going to have children. Oh, wow. I know. Right. Wow. And so it's things like that that happened along the way that gave me this place of how can I do less mm -hmm. than figure out a conversation to be in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. uh, brought just that level of emotion there because it's so powerful. It is, you know, just by showing up and, and showing that it's okay. It doesn't always have to be, um, I think life is really what we make it, right? It is, we, if we want it to be really difficult and we want, we want to see all the negative and we want to see all the proof of why we shouldn't do mm -hmm. things, we totally miss out on the opportunities of possibilities that we hadn't yet thought of, right? Yeah. Um, and I think too, you know, the gift of working with many of, you know, the children that have come my way, um, it's been a real blessing. I had... I, I just think back to, I remember this one client, it was a little girl, um, and she literally walked in the room, never met me before, and she just said, wow, you're Mother Nature, I know you, and I was just like, oh, you know, like they just see the most beautiful, um, they're so innocent, and they, they keep that innocence as they grow. And, you know, that's, to me, the playfulness that adults that we miss out when we're trying to strive to do things. And I think we have these gifts of these children that come into our world for a lifetime or for moments, um, because they're here to teach us to come back to simplicity. Yeah. To see the simpleness, just to, to see the, the beauty that is in this moment. There's such... A magic in in a child's world mm -hmm. you know yeah that that sim simple way of seeing the the easy way of seeing um i mean can we pause for a minute can we yeah. pause yeah. the recording okay so we're back <laughs> we're back <laughs> so, we were we were talking about the magic of children yeah and I have to say one thing that I love about Sydney, she is unapologetically herself mm. and she's very in the moment. So, you know, we paused because a few minutes ago she was crying. 
Right. Okay. And right now she's laughing. Right. And something that I've learned over the years is that she can't always articulate what she wants to say. Right. But if you just hear, if you just listen, if you just allow somebody the space to tell you. Mm. you know? And we do this thing with kids, especially our kids that um, don't communicate like other kids do. Dixie, we do this crazy thing where we try and relate this thing that's happening right now must be directly related to something that just happened. Right. And, and that is not accurate for any of us mm. <laughs> ever, but we really do it with kids. Mm -hmm. so we, we are like, well, if you're upset right now, like, I don't understand. Cause what, like you were just playing. Mm -hmm. So for Sydney right now, she is really, really missing her dad. Mm. and when I went in to talk to her um that's what she communicated right and nothing like nothing happened to trigger that no it's just the feeling I think right. we, we have desensitized emotions um yes. the biggest I mean a lot much of my work is about connecting to the emotions the forgotten emotions in the body and even as adults, it's like, I'm so sorry, I don't know why I'm crying. And it's just like, why do you have to have a reason? You know, it's like, we're, we live in this world of reasoning. And if we can't fix it, challenge it, move through it, like immediately, then, you know, it becomes an issue. And it's just like, why can't we allow the sacred space and time to just be with the emotions, the emotions that, that we're with? I think one of the biggest, um, I'll never forget it. Um, I got this article uh, on a brain about brain injury, and this just made so much sense to me because it was a 27-year-old boy who had a major brain injury, and it was this. It was a story actually submitted by the mother and how it changed their um, their family dynamics, and so these parents had to reparent this 27-year-old and basically go right back to the beginning. They had to learn everything from the beginning. So they went through this experience of learning an emotion a, day, a week and identifying and reconnecting to what that emotion does, how it feels, being wow. able to identify it and talking about it. And I'm just like, wow, like what a gift to that family. And we just, you know, we don't spend enough time in our emotions. We have to be up. We have to be busy. We have to be active. We have to be perky. We have to have this false sense of positivity instead of just allowing ourselves just to be with the energy that, that we're in right now. And I, I'm a huge empath and, you know, I feel my emotions. I feel other people's emotions, but I've learned to separate them out where I know what's mine and what's not mine. I've received healings through my clients as well. You know, and it's just like even after the fact where I did a, a really deep session with a client and then I had like a heart palpitation and I felt my heart explode, you know, um, later that night, you know, because it's just, it's still energy that's just, that needs to move and it helps us to remove our blockages so that we can just be better too. But being in, being in reverence with our emotions is such a gift um, that we just, we need to get comfortable with. It's so cool that you talk about this because I definitely come from a place of believing um, 
seen and not heard, right? And I come from a place of um, emotion isn't the best thing. And I, of course, I've done all these work, like a ton of work over the years. I'm, you know, intuitive and an energy healer myself. And I, and I am constantly learning new things. And I go for sessions and I constantly with Sydney am having to learn through be uncomfortable or be comfortable in discomfort. Yeah, absolutely. You have to figure out how to be really comfortable that you're going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, the people in your life do not have the experiences that you do mm -hmm. and they're going to make you uncomfortable and you got to be okay with that. Yeah. You know, my first response is stop, stop, stop being sad. Stop being, you know, uh, even joy. Sydney has this joy that is so big and so loud. Right. You would never think joy can be uncomfortable, <laughs> but oh my God, it can. You know, when you're in your, your space and your head and you're trying to do yeah. things and there's just joy screaming through your house, <laughs> right? You gotta get good at being comfortable in your discomfort because that's what moves you, right? I find it interesting, well, because so many people that come to me, they're like, how do I find joy, Dixie? How do I find happiness, Dixie? And I'm like, it's in the moments. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not a constant I mean, I would say I live in a, a deeper state of constant happiness than I ever did before. But we live in a society where the high is high and the low is low, and we're constantly, you know, reaching for the sky and then crashing and plummeting down into the depths of despair. And so we just constantly have these high, high highs and these low, low lows, but we're desperate for the next high. Instead of just really taking that opportunity to rest, you know, if it's the rest, or to be present to to what is in this moment, um, and I and I feel, you know, that's the greatest joy I find when I I look at kids, you know, like I I never force myself into the experience of a child when a child comes into my office, um, and I don't work with children so much anymore. Um, they still come every once in a while, um, but. I let them get used to me, right? I let them come into the space. I let them explore. I let them touch things. Like they just want to come in and just take it all in, you know? And it's just like, don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't do that, right? Instead of just allowing, you know, they're, they're tactile. They want to touch. They want to see. They want to make sure it's a safe place, you know? Yeah. So it's really important, I think, just to, to integrate. And, you know, um, well, I guess one of the things I'd love to hear your perspective, like what would you, what would advice be to parents who are struggling to find their identity or to see uniqueness within themselves and within their children? Well, there is this really great process that comes out of uh, being curious. So we've talked about it a lot. Um, there's different tools and I'll talk about another one in a minute, but this one's quite helpful. Um, being present in the moment is a skill. It requires practice and patience and when you know you're struggling to see the things that you want to see in your life, the uniqueness, the, the um, evidence that you're an expert at being a great parent. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's really what it is when a parent is struggling. They have all of this beliefs that have been built up about what a good parent looks like. Mm -hmm. They have all of this self-doubt that has built up because being a parent isn't something you study for. Mm -hmm. 
you know, take a test and go, ah, I'm like a straight A parent. Right. <laughs> so there's this, this trick that I do is, um, when I'm trying to identify something that I want to get better at, or I want to see, or I want to celebrate, and I don't believe it's in me, there's this thing that I know beyond any doubt. If you see it anywhere else, it's because it's in you, or you would never recognize it. So make it big outside of you if you can't see it in you. for example, if you think that um, being able to laugh with your child mm-hmm. makes you a good parent, then observe every place where parents are laughing with their children. Download every YouTube video of babies laughing and their parents laughing with them. Mm-hmm. And fill your space with the thing that you want to celebrate and see within you. Because then you will start to feel what it feels like, you know, when you see those laughing babies on YouTube and you, those parents are laughing and you get a little trigger in there and you go, oh, <laughs> then you can actually identify the triggers of your evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's all about building your evidence. So if you laughed with your child today, you, you already fully accomplished that thing. Mm-hmm. but you believe that I have to do it all the time mm-hmm. and then you only see that I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's building up the evidence of the thing you want to celebrate already. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, with some of our kids like Sydney that um, it's harder to communicate with. Mm-hmm. We really have to build up the evidence that I heard them. Mm-hmm. I love you now. Mm-hmm. So you look at, other parents that you see listening to their kids in different ways. I, over the years, spent a lot of time um, observing, watching, seeing how parents interact with their children all in different ways. Right. Because all kids are are unique. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, look at how they figured out how to do that. Mm -hmm. And then for me, I celebrate, oh, look at how we figured out how to do that. Right. So it's kind of this outside-in thing. Uh, We see it with adults uh, when I will ask, uh, what do you want to celebrate about yourself? Mm -hmm. And they can identify something. I'll say, who do you admire? Mm -hmm. You know, who have you recently had a conversation with that inspired you? You know, Um, and they can usually, people can usually identify that. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, what about that? What did Mm -hmm. it feel like? What did you think? Mm -hmm. How did you perceive that? Right. And then I just encourage people to build that up and then recognize it in the smallest places in themselves. Right. And then it gets bigger and bigger. Um, And then it goes the other way too. When you're wanting to say, celebrate your child and you can't see the things you want to see in them. um, You do the opposite. You see them in yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm good at this. I know how to do this. This is what it feels like when I do this. And then you see it in other people. Right. Yeah. It's like you, you just have to start to identify the, the triggers of your evidence right. that you are actually really already good at it. Yeah. You just have convinced yourself you aren't. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is so powerful. The evidence within the evidence without 
right? Uh -huh. The same yeah, in, right. in anything. It's what we want, you know, when, when we don't want to see something, and I'm guilty of this too, you know, I think we all do. It's just like, you know, can be the poor pitiful me, the victim of things. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, we know that we have these tools and it just, we have to pause. You have to take take stock or, or step away and sometimes regroup, reground, reconnect, and then start to look at, well, what is the abundant, what I call it abundant evidence. So what is the evidence that you, that you actually want to start seeing in your life and in your world play out? Yeah. I love that abundant evidence. It, mm -hmm. it really is right. You can even see the evidence in your discomforts and the things that cause you pain. Mm -hmm. You can, you know, people want to build that as their evidence that they're doing something wrong or not, not doing well. Right. But I build the evidence of if I can see my discomfort and I can see my pain, mm -hmm. I'm actually doing well. Yeah. Hi, Sibi. Hi. I'm just going to finish up and then I'll get that stuff for you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it's that place of identifying, too, how often you think something is right or wrong. Yeah. Right. Like you think it's wrong to have, well, not you, but people think it's wrong to have anger or frustration. Yeah. And, but we just, we're not trained how to, how to work with it because it's a, it's a scary emotion that we've been told that it's not, it's not polite. It's not right. There's no room for that here. Right. So yeah. we have to be in this nice, polite, quiet society of, of subduing. And so we bury it, bury it, bury it until it becomes a point where it's just massive, massive explosion. Yeah, which we're seeing in our world a lot right now. Absolutely. But it shows up in illness. It shows up in illness, sickness. It shows up in, you know, major dysfunction, addictions. I mean, the list goes on and on. When we don't actually actively know how to, we try to band-aid and, and, and shove it down, medicate it, right? And then medication doesn't help. But yeah, it's really about getting, getting in touch because those emotions, they play havoc and they're powerful. Yep. It's this balance with Sydney always of um, allowing emotion, which I've, I've, I think I identified that really young, that that would be really important because she can't communicate mm -hmm. all the time the way that we would, we would want to hear her. Right. She communicates. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've learned how to do is communicate beyond words and listen beyond words. Yeah. Um, but to, it's this fine line of allowing emotion and preventing yourself from spiraling into uh, complete chaos. Mm -hmm. And with Sydney, you can see it. You can, and we've had these experiences over her life where we couldn't help her figure it out. Mm -hmm. And it just went into, you know, hours and hours, days and days. There's a couple of situations that we couldn't resolve. One had to do with going on the bus at, from a field trip, like mm -hmm. small. And we didn't, we couldn't figure out how to resolve that. Uh, and that became something that for more than a year, Sydney would be upset about just randomly. Oh, wow. So, you know, she shows us these really cool things of, I need to be able to express without you trying to fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. To hear me. Um, or, and, but I can see it getting so much that now we're not going to be able to pull it out and even figure it out. Mm -hmm. So we can all learn from that, right? To sometimes you have to pause mm -hmm. the reflection of the emotion. Yeah. 
because you're too in it, it's too much, and, and you're not going to be able to pull yourself out. Right. Yeah. So that's something I want to share with your listeners, actually. And it's something that I experienced this week, and we've already been talking about the pause, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this model that I use. I call it park, pause, and peace. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's so fun, Dixie, because almost everything that I do, I realize comes from some experience with Sydney or something I was taught about Sydney. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when she was in speech, they used to teach her to park. Park her thoughts. Mm -hmm. Park her emotions. Take them, and we'll look at them later. Mm -hmm. um, we actually understand that when you do that, sometimes you never need to look at them because they weren't really, you know, they were just passing. Right. Um, so anyways, that's where the park comes from. It, it comes from that idea is let's take this right now and just park it over here mm -hmm. because you right, need to identify, am I in the right space? Do I have the right tools? Um, do I have the capacity right now mm -hmm. to manage this? Do, do I have the right supports? Right. I'm going to park this. Um, the pause allows you to go into what is actually going on. Mm -hmm. what, what is going on? And that pause might last 30 seconds, a minute. Mm -hmm. It might be a few days. Mm -hmm. And that's where that thing my dad says comes into play. I can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Right. What am I saying to myself about myself? What am I saying about other people? Okay. And then the piece is a part that takes us into a different awareness. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give an example of something that is very relevant to what's going on in our world right now with COVID and like our, everyone is being altered right now in some way. Mm -hmm. Big time. Yeah. So there's a post that has been going around on social media on Facebook. I saw it a few times and it was this thing of people would say trigger alert and um, I'm really basically as opposed to saying I'm upset because we're being limited and I can't go to the beach and I can't drive and I'm not allowed to sit with my friends and I'm not allowed to do these things and it's only one person in a population and everybody's lying to us and you should look deeper and um, it came at me from a few places and people who directly understand that we are actually really isolated right now. And we don't even feel like we're isolated um, <laughs> because there's people that are actually even more in quarantine than us. Mm -hmm, for sure. And I was fuming. I was so mad. And I was mad because I thought these people that I knew that were saying this are people, I was like, why are you spreading more fear? Mm -hmm. Why are you creating more fear? Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed that a couple of them I really had a strong reaction to because I'm usually in conversation like this with them. Mm -hmm. And then a couple had posted and I had all this love and compassion for them because I understood they were just, you know, not, they were in fear or they were concerned. And mm -hmm. I spent two days um, where I would park it for a bit because I would get so angry in it. And I, my thoughts would get so busy. So what I did is I would like bring it and I'd be, okay, I, I think this, this, and this about this person. Why are they saying this? And this is, and I like would write it all down mm -hmm. and then I would park it and I would pause and I'd go play with Sydney. I'd go do something else. Um, I still couldn't get to peace yet. 
And then I would pull it back out when I was in a safe place where I wasn't surrounded by people. Mm -hmm. um, I had a couple of conversations about it with people. Um, I'm very a believer in have the tribe around you that you can bring the stuff, but they'll help you raise it up. Mm -hmm. Don't stay in conversation that's going to pull you down. Right. I have a great energetic team. I was in one conversation about this topic and the other person's phone went dead. <laughs> when they called me back, I was like, I think we might need to lighten up. <laughs> yep. No kidding. So I would park it and I would pull it back out at a time. And then I would, you know, think more, okay, well now I'm upset about this about it. Mm. Now I'm upset about this about it. Mm -hmm. And I would park it again and it would be in my pause. Mm -hmm. uh, and once I got all of that out, what I started to go was, what do I know about these people? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's the ones that I knew that were upsetting me. I know that they're really kind, generous souls. I know that they're in the conversation of, uh, you know, caring about other people. Mm -hmm. well, what is showing up for the world right now? This is a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. And I started to have this place of compassion. And I started to just remember that we're all this beautiful light and we're all at different places in our life. Mm -hmm. And even then I parked it again. Mm -hmm because part of me knew I wasn't fully aware yet. And I paused and I went and did more things. Uh, and then just actually, I think it was last night, I had this, ah, uh, right into that higher hearing. Yeah, to give it over. Um, and I remembered, what can I actually be in service with these people with? Mm -hmm. I can't be in service of, seeing uniqueness in this situation if all I can see is my uh my fear and my anger and my discomfort mm -hmm. and their discomfort yeah and that's really what it was they're uncomfortable and I didn't like it right. so I started to have this thing what am I good at I'm actually good at seeing something else so just taking that line by line you know um I can't go to the beach uh Oh, you know, we live near a river and the river goes to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And if you stand by the river, we know inherently in our beings that we can connect to water and fill it with love. And we can think of love and let that flow to the ocean. And then we're at the ocean. Mm -hmm. I, can't go for, I can't go for a walk was one of the things. Mm -hmm. Oh, but you can stand in your window and feel the sun. Mm-hmm. And our cells connect to the energy of the sun. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so then I want to just call up that person and say, oh, it's so sunny out today. And I thought of you. Yeah. Instead of, how can you think this way? Right. Or, you know, in our area, people were concerned about not being able to go camping. And once I cleared through the park pause into this piece, I had this thing of, when you stand on the earth, the earth remembers you. Yes. And you remember the earth. Mm -hmm. And you can be standing right in front of your house on the earth and be standing in your favorite place anywhere in the world. Absolutely. So, you know, it, for me now, because I do this all the time, mm -hmm. I can do that. It's a really effective tool for anyone. Mm -hmm. Park it. 
Mm -hmm. Pause, go do the things that fill you up. Mm -hmm. Look back, are you, you know, bring it out. Mm -hmm. um, no, I still gotta park it. Mm -hmm. Pause. And you know, it doesn't matter if that takes you five minutes, five days, five hours, or five years. Mm -hmm. You know, park it over here and go fill up with as much pause and kindness for yourself as you can until you can see differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you. This um, comes to the end of our time and I just, I so enjoy you. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today. Do you have any last minute thoughts you'd like to share to wrap up with? Um, let's see. Just, I'm really happy to see you. Mm. I'm happy when I get these times with you. Uh, you. you know, just I really invite everybody to see someone first. Yes. Yeah. Just say, like when you meet somebody, it's nice mm -hmm. to see you. Yeah. And let's just stop there because all this stuff happens. And mm -hmm. I'm really grateful for what you're doing in these conversations you're having. And I know the world is inspired by your inspirational heart. And thank you so thank much. You. I fully received that. Thank you. You're welcome. I, you know, I think of one of my mentors and he always says, you know, it's so good. It's so good to know you. You know, it's so good to be with you. It's so good to know you. And he says that all the time over and over and over. But I feel, you know, I just feel that. And I think, you know, that's what we need to bring more into the world as we're, we're so rushed. It's, we need to bring that, like, I see you. I'm so grateful that you're here. I acknowledge you. It's so good to be with you. Thank you. It's so powerful what you're saying and what I'm picturing as you're saying that is, um, you know, I desire and I dream that every person can say that to another person, but every person can say that to themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like to see the reflection of themselves back and, and know that I'm so glad I know you, mm -hmm. how altered our world would be. Mm -hmm. Big time. Yeah, it's bringing more of that, it's more comp confidence of being in your own space, in your own skin, coming, it really is, it's all about coming home. The ultimate gift is learning to come home to ourselves. Yeah. And, you know, the gift, if we can live into that, there's so many amazing opportunities and ways to see the world through that expression and experience. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people unfortunately wait until the end of their life when they can actually start stepping into that um, and letting go of the hurts and the grudges and the things that um, that carry forward. You know, it's, that's one of my big things has been healing grudges because it's deep, deep in the family, you know, deep in lineage. And I see it, other people carrying it. Um, and if we can just let go of that baggage, it just makes the journey so much lighter. Well, I definitely know that what you're doing and having these kind of conversations and how you support people, uh, you are, you are definitely creating that energy and that vibration and, you know, what a beautiful space for you to create in the world for us to, um, allow ourselves to see ourselves clear of that. Well, and I love that you already are doing that. And that's what I believe that you are creating in the world. And the movement doesn't have to be massive. You know, it's, it's just the, 
to me, it's the, the little ripples add to the bigger ripples. And I just, just keep being the movement, you know, because that's all it is. It's about moving through the world in the way that you want to create and the way that you want to see yourself and to see others. So I think all the work that you're doing is phenomenal. I'm a huge fan and, uh, and following, you know, in, in the background as well. So I really appreciate this time with you. Me too. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you. And, you know, thank you to our viewers and watchers for watching. And I hope you found some value. And again, you know, I'd love for you to, you know, post some comments and continue the conversation. Um, you know, be a part of our community and just, you know, keep bringing light, love and hope to the world. And until next time, abundant love. Thank you.